Hello and welcome back to episode six of Skeptics in Seekers, Failure of the Fall. I'm one of your hosts, David Johnson, and I'm joined by my friend. Yep, I'm Dale, and I'm representing the Christian or Seeker side. And uh, today, uh, as mentioned, we'll be talking about the topic failure of the fall. I just want to thank everyone for uh, returning and all of the comments uh, left. We'll be reading out uh, a little bit of that. Uh, I also want to mention that we have people who uh, follow the blog, and so they get uh, uh, each blog post or a notification of the blog post in their mail. You can also follow it with an RSS uh, uh, reader, which is how I follow it myself, and uh, also lots of uh, people have just uh, made likes for the blog, which you can do, and that makes us feel good, and we like you too. We'll be reading out some of that uh, a little bit later. Uh, today we're talking about the fall. The fall is an, an important Christian doctrine. I would say it's an essential Christian doctrine. It's one of those doctrines where I can point back to in my own life and say, this is one of the reasons why I'm not a Christian. So not everything that we talk about will be as directly related to why I am an unbeliever and why uh, Dale is a believer. But this is one of those topics where we can point to, and I, I would say it has a very direct effect on my ability to believe. And so I'm, I'm just going to jump right into it, and I'm going to try to make my case uh, for why the fall fails as a doctrine. So uh, one of the things that I can imagine Dale would want to do uh, is say, well, look, you, you make some interesting points about the fall, but the fall doesn't really matter. It's not an essential doctrine. You don't have to believe in the fall. And so I want to start uh, with the case. By the way, uh, you can know exactly what Dale would say about this by reading the blog. It's at work, uh, skepticsandseekers.wordpress.com. So if you haven't done so already, take a look at the blog post, uh, and this is a conversation that follows the blog. So when I talk about things that Dale might say, <laughs> chances are it's something he's already said in print. Uh, so I, I actually believe that the fall is a necessary doctrine. So I want to I start by making that case, uh, that you can't have Christianity without the fall. Uh, the fall is the basis of what I consider the bad news. You can't have the good news without the bad news. Uh, and the bad news, as I've described it, is in three parts. Uh, there's something wrong with you, there's something wrong with the world, and there's hell to pay if it doesn't get fixed. Well, the fall kind of addresses all three of those things. There's something wrong with you because you're a sinner. There's something wrong with the world because uh, it is now covered by this thing called sin, and there's hell to pay in, in that there are consequences as a result of this sin, we get all three of those things from the doctrine of the fall. And you might even describe the fall uh, in terms of something called original sin, which is to say we have sin in the world and everybody is a victim of sin, whether or not they actually commit a sin. They're still a victim of sin because Adam, uh, the federal head of humanity, uh, introduced sin into the world. And so we have a kind of a sin environment. We're, we're surrounded by a sin matrix, a sin miasma, if you will. Uh, and there's, there's simply no way around that. And so original sin uh, means that sin came into the world from the original humans. Uh, so why, why is that a, a critical doctrine? Uh, I just want to read a few passages. This is Romans 5. I'm going to read verse 
uh, p- bits and pieces, not the whole thing, but bits and pieces of verse 12, 14, uh, 17, 18, and 19. And, and the reason I'm reading all of this is to show that Paul makes this case five or six times in this chapter, in this cluster of verses, says practically the same thing. So here we go. So then, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, uh, yet death uh, reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those uh, who did not sin in the same way, that Adam, uh, who is the type of the coming one, for if by the transgressions of one man, death reigned through the one, how much more will those re, uh, who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as condemnation for all people comes through one transgression, so too uh, through the one righteous act came righteousness leading to the life for all people. And then finally, For just as through the disobedience of the one man, many were made sinners, also through the the obedience of one man, many will be made righteous. This is Romans chapter 5, verse 12, 14, 17, 18, and 19. It's, It's just repetition after repetition after repetition. And so if you can say that there is one clear doctrine in the Bible, this has to be it. Uh, I I can't imagine that Paul uh, cared about making us understand anything more than he cared about making us understand this. And it's essential because he ties the the literal sin of the literal Adam to the literal salvation of the literal Christ. And so if you say, well, one of them is not real, then there's room to say, well, neither one of them is real. Uh, it, It doesn't make sense to have the second part without the first part. The other reason you have to say, uh, I believe, that um, this is a literal, that that is important to Christianity is because Jesus believed in the literal Adam. Uh, So uh, from Matthew 19, uh, we get the passage uh, where Jesus is talking about marriage. Some Pharisees came to him to test him and ask uh, if it is lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason. Uh, And uh, Jesus said, haven't you, haven't you read that at the beginning, the creator made male and female? And he goes on in this way, but he ties this very moral issue to the literal creation of the, the first man and woman, Adam and Eve. We don't get that teaching unless there's a literal Adam. And so I, I, and if there is no literal Adam, then I think that we can say that Jesus is wrong here. Uh, now, some people might be willing to say, well, Jesus was wrong. He made a mistake. But I would say that if Jesus is wrong, he's not God. Uh, if he's wrong, he's just some guy who can be wrong about stuff. So I think that you have to take it uh, seriously. But I also think that it is impossible uh, to view uh, the, the fall in terms of evolution, it's it's just not possible for both to be true. So if you're if you're an old Earth uh, creationist or or a theistic creationist or you know whatever whatever term you use to include evolution in billions of years into your theology, you can't have the fall. So my case for that is that there was a special creation uh, of Adam and Eve. So part of the found foundational story is that. 
God created um, different things at, at different times in different ways. So we got the we got the sun and the moon and the stars. We got the fish of the sea and the birds of the air. We got the uh, the flora and the fauna, and we got the the uh, lower animals uh, that that walk on the earth, and then we got humans. And the humans were not an evolutionary process of that. The humans in the story are a separate creation where God creates a different clump of dirt and breathes into it the breath of life, and so it's it's not some ancestor of something else. Uh, so if you if you take the story seriously, you can't take evolution seriously. The second point is that the serpent, uh, you can't just make that figurative. The serpent has to be literal because there was a literal punishment in the story for all serpents. So this serpent wasn't punished per se. All serpents uh, were punished. And what was their punishment? That they were to crawl on their bellies. But we know that serpents have been crawling on their bellies for 100 million years. So that's not possible. So you might say that the, the world is 100 million years old and snakes were uh, around for 100 million years, but you would also have to say that humans have only been around for 200,000 years. So it just doesn't work even as an old earth uh, uh, creationist. Uh, three, the garden has to be taken literally uh, because uh, at the end of the story, uh, I, I just want to read this passage, verse uh, 23 and 24 of chapter 3 of Genesis. So the Lord God expelled him, talking about Adam, from the orchard in Eden to cultivate the ground from which he had been taken. When he drove the man out, he placed on the eastern side of the orchard in Eden angelic centuries who used the flame of a whirling sword to guard the way to the tree of life. Now, you can say this is all allegorical, but we have a location of the garden. We have the specific entrance that was being guarded, and we have uh, an angel with a a particularly magical weapon uh, for the purpose of keeping humans away from it. It's a lot of verisimilitude. Uh, in this piece of literature to then just turn around and say, well, it, it was just allegorical. Uh, so I, I think that the storyteller wants you to think that this was a real event. And that doesn't work uh, with evolution, old or young, because there is, there is no such garden, no such uh, tree, no such century, no such sword. Uh, and I don't, so I, I think that presents a problem uh, that, someone trying to defend the fall is going to have a hard time overcoming. Uh, my next point is that humans didn't bring sin into the world. So this is, I don't, I don't think I actually have to make this point or any other point because I think the, the, the fall has already fallen in my previous two arguments. But um, just, to, just to keep it going, part of the reason we have the fall is an explanation of how sin came into the world. But we already had sin before humans, and this is part. This is a part where the story just conflicts with itself, because uh, in the Bible we're given to believe that there was sin in heaven well before the foundations of the earth. So humans didn't invent sin; sin was already around. And then there was an evil being in the garden before humans were formed. So even on Earth, uh, humans didn't introduce sin in the world. 
there was there was already sin in a being uh, that was sentient, uh, uh, sinning before Eve took a bite of the fruit, because you could say that his first sin was to lie and to, to deceive Eve. So there was already sin in the world. Uh, and finally, on this point, nature. Uh, was already read in tooth and claw before humans. And so if you listen to uh, many of the uh, new apologists, they would say, well, we already had predation uh, and, and animal and plant death uh, before the fall. So humans didn't introduce sin into the world and they didn't introduce death into the world. Uh, the world, as far as we can tell, was already fallen before the fall took place. And so theologically, it just doesn't make any sense. And finally, uh, uh, the impossible human. So Dale had some, uh, a little bit of fun uh, at my expense in the uh, article. I suggest that you read uh, what Dale said there. I don't even want to contradict him so much because I think I think his point was already lost before we got there. Uh, but I would I would say that um, in order to get to what a Christian might think of as the perfect human, the ideal human, it requires evolution. You 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 have to have evolution to get to that human. So if you if you want to look at the first humans produced by evolution, they couldn't be the type of person that Christians are talking about, or else we couldn't have gotten to this point. I think that 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 type of person would have simply died out. Um, And so the only way that you can say we were ever in some kind of perfected state is, in fact, to claim a special creation of humans where they were made from a different substance, given a different spirit, and made, you know, wholly complete from the beginning and take them completely out of the evolutionary story. And so now again, you have to decide, well, are you defending the evolutionary story or are you defending the young earth creation story? Uh, but you can't have both. Uh, so if, if you say that we were in a perfected state, then you're, then you're really defending a young earth creationist position. And you're saying we have to evolve to that state, then you are repudiating the Genesis story and saying, yeah, we've got to have evolution. Either way, you can't have a fall as it is demonstrated in the Bible, and you can't have Christianity without a fall as demonstrated in the Bible. And so this is my entire case. I turn it over to the prosecution. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I think in terms of your, uh, in terms of my own stance, I, I largely agree with uh, David this week because I, I do lean towards a young earth creationist interpretation uh, if the Bible is inerrant. Um, and if evolution is true, I, I do see these as being incompatible with a, just a straightforward, literalistic reading of Genesis. I don't see how one could reconcile that unless unless you admit, okay, well, there, there are some errors or there's some symbolic parts uh, to the story uh, that aren't meant to be taken literal. Um, now, in, t- in terms of the cre- uh, Christian who takes a creation evolutionary uh, evolutionary creationist or a theistic evolutionist perspective, uh, what could be said? And, and David's already, uh, you know, he knows in advance. Um, what I was going to argue is that I, I don't think things like original sin 
uh, or a literal Adam and Eve are necessary or that they're essential to the Christian, uh, to the essential Christian doctrines. And the the reason I say this, first of all, with original sin, that this has a very, there are various Christians that don't agree with this, uh, with this doctrine. The Eastern Orthodox, for example, don't accept it. Um, and even if you want to say, well, there are other, the Bible takes these verses as literal. If a old earth creationist or a, an evolutionary creationist takes, says, okay, but there's errors in the, in the Bible, in these verses, um, then I think that you can still reconcile evolutionary, a straightforward reading of evolutionary history and then say, okay, but this aspect or that isn't meant to be taken taken literally. What's essential to the Christian is that we have a sinful nature, that we sin. Um, it doesn't have to be inherited. We don't have to be culpable for Adam's specific sin, which is the doctrine of original original sin. It's not just that we inherit some sinful inclination, even. It, it's that we're actually guilty for what Adam did. Um, I, I don't see these as essential, even if the Bible, I, as I think, the Bible teaches them. A Christian could say, well, you know what? Romans 5 is in error. That that stuff is is not true, um, and, and still be a Christian. Now, Again, I want to be clear. I, I think that's wrong. I do think that Romans, uh, that we should look at these Bible verses, and I personally do believe in the doctrine of original sin as the biblical position. Um, so I think that takes care of the essential doctrine and the fact. Now, in terms of it being incompatible, I do think that um, if there was a literal Adam and Eve, they would need to be a special creation. It, it wouldn't just be that they evolved. Um, I think that God, at a minimum, would have created them as a living soul. Um, and in terms of the serpent, so this was this was something that David. Uh, I think this was his best best point that I sort of struggled with trying to. Uh, so basically, he says that, according to evolution, serpents have been around as belly crawlers uh, for 95 million to 100 million years. Um, so even even taking an old Earth understanding, humans have been around for at most 200,000 years. This this contradicts because the punishment of the snake was to undergo this physical change, which we know existed millions of years prior to, you know, this special creation, Adam and Eve, ever showing up on Earth. Um, so the way I interpret this, I, I think that this is actually a symbolic aspect. I, I don't think that, unless you're taking a young Earth creationist perspective, I, I don't think the snake can be taken literally. You've got to say it's an error or, or symbolic in some way. And we do know that in the ancient Eastern culture, at the time that you know, the texts were being written, snakes were at one time seen in a positive light. Um, however, that began to change um, around the time that, you know, people could say this, that Genesis was written on a skeptical uh, perspective, if you're not accepting Moses' authorship or that sort of thing. Um, yeah, you, you could say, okay, well, the snake is symbolic. It represents Satan was, was the one who tempted Adam and Eve. And uh, at, that, at that point, the author used the image of the snake to represent that evil because they had that negative uh, perception in the culture at the time. 
Um, and the garden has to be literal because God placed a guard um, from keeping people getting to the tree of life. Again, I, I just don't see his point that this whole thing could be symbolic. Like the tree of life, I, I don't, unless, again, unless you're taking a young earth creationist inerrantist perspective, I, I think it's possible that a Christian could say this is a symbolic element representing that because of the this sin that people were uh, separated from the source of life, separated from God. Um, I, I see that as a way that creation, evolutionary creationists could use to interpret the Bible um, and including that aspect there. Um, now, okay, so humans didn't bring sin into the world. Now, here's another point. Um, yeah, let's pretend there, again, there's no, there is no Adam and Eve. We just evolved and, and we're getting better and that sort of thing. One could just transpose the original sin doctrine to Satan. He's trying to say that, well, sin uh, came into the world with Lucifer. Again, if you're, if you're um, not taking it from a straightforward literalistic perspective, if you're not constrained by that, um, it's possible that you could just say, okay, well, all of this sin goes back to Lucifer's uh, action or Lucifer's sinful behavior. Um, now, again, I, I want to be clear, that's not what I personally believe. I do believe in a literal Adam and Eve. I do believe in original sin, and I, I do believe in a in a f- literal fall. Um, I'm not as precise on the detail. I don't, I'm not, you know, persuaded about the literal snake or a tree of knowledge of evil and that sort of thing necessarily, but... Um, Okay, uh, so yeah, I think that, that that's a possibility that we need to be mindful of. Now, the impossible human, okay, aspect. So I thought, so you, you recognize here that it is possible that a human being can have these various properties that you write about in your blog, such as not being privy to harm, um, you know, the, some of the other attributes. And it's not that you're saying these are impossible for humans to achieve it's just that evolutionary processes alone without uh, God's involvement in creating the first humans wouldn't be able to get that because it's a constantly upward moving process from bad getting increasingly better and better or something um, one aspect that you might not consider what you know with God's um, involvement it is possible that there could be ups and downs. We could have been put into a perfected state in an isolated area. Like God separates a couple of hominids, gives them souls in a garden of Eden. Let's, let's take all of that literally. And then, um, as a result of their sin, again, they fell back in and were forced back into the evolutionary process of which they're, you know, getting more perfect, getting to the point where, at the second coming of Jesus, they'll be perfected in a perfect, perfect state again. Um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think I've covered all your points there. Okay. So you're ready for a little bit of back and forth? Sure. Okay. Uh, let's start at the last point. Um, I would say that there, you, you can't actually point to a perfected human from the past uh, so you say, well, you know, maybe we started perfect and then we went down and then we're coming back up and, you know, kind of a yo-yo. 
I, I just don't think that that makes a lot of theological sense. Uh, so heaven, do you believe that humans will be perfect in heaven? Yes. Okay. And do you believe that humans will sin in heaven? No. Okay. So then you, you believe that a perfected human is a human that won't sin. So if that's the case, uh, then the Adam and Eve in the garden were not perfected humans because they clearly had the proclivity to sin. Uh, and, and they did so. So I, I would say that whatever we got from Adam and Eve in the garden, it wasn't some idyllically perfect human. It was, it was a fallen human from the get-go. So it depends then. So Adam and Eve were in what theologians call the state of integrity. Yes, they had the ability to sin. So I can answer your, in terms of the future end state of heaven, I could answer it this way. Um, number one, maybe the people in heaven are, they do have the ability to sin. It's just they will never exercise it. And, you know, God in his foreknowledge tells us that. Um, however, even if it's not the case that we're able to sin in heaven, um, the perfected state in the beginning, uh, it was perfect for us to have the ability to, to sin at that time. Then we go through the process of the sin curse, and and that brings us to a point where our character would have achieved what God had in mind. So if it were the case that Adam and Eve didn't eat the apple, then they would be in the heaven or end time state. They would they would be transformed or something. You could say something like that. They would be able to have additional properties of walking through walls like Jesus in his resurrected body or something like that. But because they chose to sin, okay, now we go through this protracted process of Jesus has to die for our sins in order to get us where we could have been had Adam and Eve You think that not, Adam and Eve could have not sinned? As a counterfactual, yes. Um, Theologically, do you think Adam I, and Eve could have not sinned? Do you, do you think that, they're, they're, yes, they're, they that any human put in that uh, garden could have not sinned? Because here's the thing. If you think that some other human could have done better, then God did us wrong by putting in uh, those humans when he could have put in the ones that wouldn't sin. If you think that Adam and Eve could have not sinned, uh, then I don't... I don't know that that makes sense of the idea that God uh, created a plan of salvation before the first humans existed. He created a situation where he knew we would sin. So I don't, I don't know that that makes sense of the idea that Adam and Eve could have not sinned. They were, they were so sinners from the start. So put it, put it this way. They could have not sinned, but, they, but God knew they would not not sin. Okay, but if God knew um, that and all same humans, for any so human that would just follow my logic. Any other human. If God, mm-hmm. if God knew all humans, no matter which humans He put in, would choose to sin, that right. is indistinguishable from saying that all humans had to sin. No, it's distinguishable, right? Not they, really, because any human would have they sinned. They had a free will choice. They could have refrained from sinning, but it, it, their free will choice was not to do that. Right, but if you but follow the logic, if you plug in another set of humans, would they have followed the, would they have done the same thing? Plug in another yes, set of humans, do it infinitely. Yes. So you're saying all humans would have sinned. 
Yes. So that's that to me is indistinguishable from sin being inevitable. That's we were created to do exactly what we did. Yeah, so at that level it's it it was inevitable. God God knew before the creation of the world, from the foundation of the world, that this was going to come about. Which that means that there is nothing perfect have, about the state of humans when we were made from God. No, we were perfect. Having the ability to sin, there's nothing imperfect about sin? having the... Sorry? Can God sin? No, okay. he can't. Why not? But here's the difference. Okay. Because, okay, so he he's a morally perfect being. Okay. A sinless being. Good. However, the laws of logic dictate are what make it impossible for a morally perfect being to sin. The laws of logic do not dictate that a... Okay, so you, okay, I see where you're going to go with the perfect. Yeah, we, because so he, they made, he made us. We're, we're the apple that didn't fall far from the tree, so why aren't we morally perfect? If you're, if you're considering that aspect of God as a part of perfection, why, why so isn't that, that a part of the perfected human? Well, see, because you use, I'm using your terminology or whatever. Forget perfected then. They, they were sinless humans. Mm-hmm. But they were going to sin. They were in a sinless state, a state of integrity. Sure. Because they were brand new, like a baby, newborn, is in a yeah. state of integrity. But all he has to do is grow up a little bit, and he's gonna poop his diapers. <laughs> you know, there's that. That's inevitable because that's how we are. So you can't actually say, well, the baby's a perfect human being because he hasn't done anything wrong. No, he's a human being. He's going to be human. If he lives, he's going to be human. So that's what he is. Uh, he is what he is going to be. Uh, and I don't, I don't think the Christian no, gets to say, well, humans were perfect when they were brand new babies, uh, and then they made themselves imperfect by growing up. That makes perfect sense. Their, their decision was not determined by any factors outside of their own free choice. That's, that's not, you're not, like, yeah, you're, you're in a sinless state. You're in, in that state of integrity until you you know what? I'm going to sin. I'm going to I'm going to make the choice to sin. It, it doesn't matter from God a God's eye view that God knew this was going to take place. For you know that's not God. God didn't cause them to sin. That's where the problem would come in. If you're going to say like they were fated to do it or something like that. Well, yeah, they were because they were they were not given the state of moral perfection where they couldn't sin. Once again, it's like saying that a newborn baby has never pooped his bi- uh, diaper until he does. But if he lives, he's going to. It's, it is inevitable. It is what he does. It, it is what he does by so nature. Not... And okay, so, so then no, by, that's not what he But did, by nature, nature, you can say that the humans were perfect when they just crawled out of the dirt. But they, if, you're, if you're telling me that every human would have done what the first humans did, then it is it we're talking about something that is endemic to humans it is by nature that we do this it's not by nature um we had a free choice right we're not determined i'm not a compatibilist we're not uh determined to make a certain choice that's the only way that what you're trying to say works now as as a molinist 
yes, God knew what our free will choices were going to be, and he set up, he chose to create the world in which we make those Could choices. Could God not have given but, us a, uh, a type of uh, spirit, moral spirit like his, where we could not sin, where it would have been logically impossible for us to sin. If it's logically impossible for God to sin, could God, could God have not made us so that it was logically impossible for us to sin? Sorry, no, I don't, I don't think so. There's no logically possible world in which free creatures exist. God's a free um, creature. That Stop it. God's a free creature. You've already given me a God who's a free creature. Uh, God's a free creature. No, he's not. He's not a creature. Is he free? He's the creator. He's free. Okay. It, well, he's not morally. He's not morally free. Okay. So it. But it's he's okay, morally though, determined. But he's perfect. Yes. So there's nothing wrong. There's nothing imperfect about being not morally determined. So my my question still pertains. He could have made us to be morally determined as well, and we would have also been perfect. You, you can't say it's perfect for God, but it wouldn't be perfect for us. Interesting. Um, yeah, I like that. That's interesting. Okay, so God is de- determined by—he's determined by his own free cho- by his own nature, his free. It's his free. It's his free choice. He he is morally perfect, and then the laws of logic take over after that, um, based on his nature. So it's it's his nature to always be good. Right, and and, and um, we are his he, pro, we're his progeny. So there, sorry, we're his yeah, we're his progeny. Uh, so yeah. how did we end up with a different nature? I don't th- okay because I I don't think it's logically. God could have created a bunch of robots, who never sinned. But 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 he didn't. But create, they wouldn't be he considered free. Kids. He created us after his own image, so you can't say well he just created sand puppets. He had babies. It's it's yeah. Okay, it's, so but how it's do just, we? There's no how do we have a that nature? would be. Because once once we're free, it's just the case that we choose. Uh, not to exercise, to refrain from sinning. We just ch- choose to sin in every logical possible world with free creatures in it. That's the choice but that God's they make. But God's not free in that way. He doesn't have to have the libertarian free will to sin. And I keep trying to get you back to this place. Whatever God's nature is that keeps him from being able to sin should be our nature too. Yeah. Um, so uh, this is a really good point, actually. So I'm questioning because I was always saying God's morally determined by the laws of logic based on his morally perfect nature. But you're trying to say, well, God could create a world of robots. Not robots. And I'm not trying sco- to say that God no. shouldn't well, be able to God, create anything other than people like himself. I, because yeah, if we're, if we're his children. That's robots. God, no, no, no. I'm it's saying, children. It's children. Your, your kids aren't robots. My kids aren't robots. They're they're uh, genetic clones of me. That that's exactly what they are. Uh, God should have produced genetic clones of himself, spiritual clones of himself. Now I can make a robot, but that's not my chi- that's not my kid. It's not made in my image. 
God didn't make robots. He had babies. Yeah, there's no difference, though. It's robot. It's still the robot. When I say robots, I'm saying he's morally determined. Which should be his genetic nature. We should be genetic clones of God in that sense. Let's put it this way, then. There's, there's counterfactuals where God could have. Uh, like, I can avoid... Okay, yeah, there's counterfactuals. God could have sinned, but the reason he can't is because his nature... He doesn't make that free choice that by his morally perfect nature, then the laws of logic come in to make sure that that's, it's not, there's no logical possible world in which God actualizes a counterfactual Just or something. Just in the formation that's of that sentence, God could have sinned, but the reason he can't. That's, you know, we can stop there. And look, um, the, no, no, I think, I think we, that makes sense. I think we've given, it makes sense, though. I think we've both given the listeners something to think about there. I do want to touch on some of the other points. Uh, uh, yeah, I want to say that is a good, that is an interesting point because I, I remember talking about that when I first started on the blogs. And I, my way of making sense is, okay, well, God's morally determined, uh, but we're not. Um, and that's the difference. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I've, I, I've never been able to understand the but we're not part. Uh, because whatever, whatever God is, is what I assume we would be in heaven. And what he could have made us on earth. And in fact, I, I can't understand how a God who... See, here's, here's the thing. So we have sin because it's, it's one of the choices we can make. But we're told that it's not one of the choices God can make. So what I'm trying to figure out is how God can even possibly make a being that could possibly sin. Because it's not in his repertoire. He, he has to okay. he has to uh, intentionally create something that's not anything like him that can do this thing that he can't do and one would wonder why he would even want to do that yeah well I think no I well in terms of why he creates that that's I've already ta- spoken about right, that right, and I'm you know not, has I'm not trying to get in there I'm, j- I'm just trying but, to explain why this is a stumbling block to me yeah, well, I guess it's just, okay, maybe I, I uh, need to rethink that about saying God is morally determined. Maybe he is free, just like we are, and it, sh- it just so happens to be the case he, because he's so good, he never chooses the the uh, free, the uh, sin option. Skeptics so in seekers, that case, we are just like him. Skepticsandseekers.wordpress.com <laughs> skepticsandseekers.wordpress.com leave your comments uh, <laughs> use, uh, use feedback we want to hear from you because uh, this, is, this is important so working, working backward here we still got a few minutes So um, I, I, there was sin in heaven before the foundations of the earth now the fall implies that the universe was introduced to sin for the first time because of what humans did you can't dismiss this by saying well okay maybe it's because of what Satan did well then that's not the fall anymore so I, I will agree with you that your uh, speculation could be possible. Maybe it goes to Satan. But then everything that Paul said in Romans was wrong because he said, what, what did we count? Five or six times in a row. It's Adam. It's Adam. It's Adam. It's Adam. And if it's Satan, then we got a different story. If it's Satan, okay, so you're addressing... Um, Whether ad- they're not, it's possible that there's not a literal Adam and Eve, or are well, you talking well, about the serpent. That Adam and Eve didn't bring sin in, into the world. 
that's uh, so I'm just going backward in in the points and addressing your rebuttals. Um, okay. You're, you're saying that maybe Adam didn't bring the first sin. Maybe Satan could have brought the first sin and the story oh, would still okay. be intact. No, the story would not be intact if the first sin is tra- tracked back to Satan. We've got a very yeah. different story at that yeah. point, and you, you can't... So I will, I will agree with you simply because agreeing with you d- torpedoes your position. <laughs> not because I actually believe it. Uh, but yeah, so if you want to say, well, no, actually the first sin doesn't track back to Adam, it tracks back to Satan, then we're done. Um, we, we have a completely different story, and the Bible is wrong about that. Yeah, you would have to, you would have to admit that there are errors. Paul was mistaken in his belief that there was a literal Adam and Eve that it all goes back to. Um, however, I well, but it's, yeah, but I, I can't I, I can't let you get away with that uh, even by itself either. So it may be cruel to to continue to twist this knife. But Adam is tied is inexorably tied to Jesus. You can't untie Jesus from Adam and tie him to Satan. So you you can't retell the story and say, well, because then Satan is the federal head of humans. No, he's not because he's not a human. Um, you you can't say well the one say, the sacrifice well, yeah, the just... perfect sacrifice of Jesus is undoes the sin of Adam and take Adam out of it and put someone else there. Okay, I was just about to say something, but then okay, so yeah, I was going to say we're all sentient beings. Uh, he could be the federal head of sentient beings or something. But he's like, not. This is we're not. Sorry, but he's not. Satan is not the okay. So yeah, Satan is not if, the throwhead of central beings. If we're saying that there's errors in the Bible, this is for the creation creationary evolutionists who who can admit, you know, Paul was mistaken and stuff. Then, yeah, I okay, could say he's Paul, the federal head of central beings. That's he's not. mistaken about his entire formulation of redemption because it's tied to his formulation of redemption. So. You can't say, well, he's, well, part, he's wrong about that, that I, but he's right about the Jesus part. Uh, well, that no, that's possible. That was in within recent memory. But I'll, I'll tell you what point, before we get distracted, that I, I like that's making me think again is, uh, well, okay, well, Jesus came to us in the form of a human, and that, that was significant as opposed... Uh, as opposed to like being just a sentient being that got, uh, you know, got killed or got um, that experienced death for our sins. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just trying to think. Can can a old Earth creationist say, well, yeah, but even that's the mode doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that he came as a human. Um, yeah, I, I guess that even that's possible. Like, uh, if once we're admitting errors, uh, someone could say, well, the gist is look. All sentient beings are sinners. They share in this original sin of Lucifer. In order to rectify that, God came to earth in the form of a human being and provided atonement for all sentient beings or something. Um, That would still preserve the essential core of what the Christian gospel message is. Um, And again, I want to be clear, this isn't what I believe, okay? I I do believe in the literal Adam and Eve. I'm very... I'm very much on David's side that I, th- I think what I, these suggestions are, they're ad hoc. They don't, 
they, you know, they're not very probable options. Uh, I, I think that the Bible makes it clear that there was an Adam and Eve. This is very, very important doctrine that there was original sin. Creation was cursed through Adam's sin, not Lucifer's sin. Um, so please uh, understand, I, I'm somewhat arguing against myself in order to see if it's possible, if, if it's possible to preserve Christianity with, without these things as a worst case scenario. Um, yeah, and I think that could be one way of, of doing that. Uh, what would you make about the the sentient thing? And then he comes, okay, he comes as a sentient being in the form of humanity for whatever reason, for, you know, that illustrates it to us and saves more humans that way or something. Yeah, it just, it's, it's not a story that I can interact with, uh, honestly, because if you're, if you're saying, you know, the doctrine of original sin uh, can be altered in some way, then it's, it's just not the doctrine of original sin anymore. The doctrine of original sin has some necessary components to it. And a necessary component is Adam and Eve, first humans, they bring sin into the world, uh, all of the world. Whether you sin the way Adam did or not, you're still covered by sin because of what Adam did. Not what Steve did, not what Eve did, not what Jack did, not what Satan did. It's all about Adam. Um, and so if that is not true, then sin did not come into the world in that way. The best you can say about sin is that it's just a thing that we do individually. Yeah. But, that's, you, but you, cannot, that's, you cannot say that there is some corporate sin uh, that, that we're under. And I think that when you take that away, you have undermined a major doctrine of Christianity. I don't think that I have to... Uh, destroy it more than that. So if you, if you take away Adam yeah, from this, you don't have a corporate sin, and therefore you don't have a corporate salvation. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's a major doctrine, as you say, and it, it, what, I, what I'm suggesting contradicts the, what I think is the clear teaching of Scripture. Um, but I'm saying that the cre- evolutionary creationist just says, so what? I don't care. Throw it out. Uh, what, what is essential is what the Bible claims is essential for salvation. We can still have salvation story, even if you're, you know, like Pelagianism is a heresy. It, it's unbiblical. It, it's, it's wrong. But they, they don't believe in original. He doesn't believe in original sin in the sense that, okay, all humans are culpable. They don't care about your Romans 5. They can just say, number one, that's they can debate, well, does Romans 5 actually teach what you're saying? Which I think it does. Um, but they can just, even if you win that, they just say, I don't care. It, it's it's an error that's wrong. The essential gist right. is and that every sentient being is a errors. sinner. I don't care about Pelagians. <laughs> so it, that's... But but wouldn't it... Wouldn't it no, because it, uh, honestly, how, how if all you have left of Christianity is you know Pelagianism, I think I would re- I would retire from this field because Christianity would pretty much be dead. Uh, so I don't, I don't think that you want a world where the Pelagianists win. Okay, <laughs> so how do you determine? How, yeah, yeah. Uh, this isn't what I believe, of course. I, I, I think that, yeah, God, need, we need to take these major doctrines seriously um, in Scripture. I, I'm adopting a worst case scenario because I, I think that it is still possible. But I want to. You're, you're arguing that it's an essential doctrine how, how do you define how do you define Christianity I'm curious like do, is it just okay everything the Bible says is 
has to be inerrant, perfect. Uh, if even one thing is uh, taken out, it's it's all wrong. Are, are there any room for any errors? Like, are there anything that... When I was a Christian, I was an inerrantist. So I'm not, I'm not just arguing a, a MacGuffin here to, to, to try to win an argument. This is how I thought. This is what I believed. Um, so, but how do you determine that that's uh, well? Because that's what I was great. Talking. I get the that's I, I don't I don't know that I can determine it better than that. I was taught that way. It made sense to me. There mm. are many theological reasons that um, you know we've talked about all fair. I don't I don't think that it's necessary to go over that right now. We can we can have a broader discussion over that if you like. But that, you know, however I got there, that's where I got. Um, I am. Uh, so it, wearing my Christian okay. hat, I, I'm an inerrantist. Uh, I'm also a young earth creationist if I'm wearing my Christian hat because I don't, I don't see any other way to read the Bible in a way that makes any sense. Um, okay. So, and that, that is, yeah, that, and that is a topic. I, I just wanted to make sure we got that yeah. briefly but, in there. But I'm a, um, yeah, I'm a biblical uh, literalist because I, I think that the writers of the literature wanted you to take it literally, at least some parts of it. So your question is, well, how do I, how do I determine what's important to the Christian faith? Uh, if some part of the Christian faith, if we say it's like a building, and some part of it is on the second floor, you can't take the first floor out from under it and still say, well, that's okay, the second floor is still pretty nice, I think I'll just stay here. The fall is the first floor, it's the foundation. You don't get to stay in the building and say, well, okay, get rid of the foundation. We don't need it. So when, when it's an argument like that, that's, you know, that's why I call it a foundational argument. You can't put the second story on top of it unless that is solid. Uh, and I think, that, I think one of the things that you're arguing is that the thing that's built on top of original sin is original redemption. But there is no original redemption without original sin. You can't live in the second floor without a foundation. But there could be redemption. That's what I'm saying is the foundational first floor could be uh, that all humans are sinners, not original sin. Right, right. But you're just just trying to build a different floor, and that's a different building entirely. Uh, So so if if you're asking me, can you make a religion that would make sense out of some of the Christian elements. Yes, you can. But that's not the religion that we're debating. We're, we're debating the one that you can read about in the Bible. That's the only okay, one so I that, actually care about. Uh, so if you, yeah, if you are so. suggesting, well, there could be, you know, if we rewrite the Bible a little bit, then we could make it where the religion makes sense. Great, rewrite the Bible. Let's talk about your religion. Uh, you know, everyone should... Uh, keep a lookout for the Church of Dale, churchofdale.com. Um, but, you know, if what we're looking at is the Church of Christ uh, by Jesus, inspired by the Holy Spirit, then we have to deal with those elements as they're given. And if those elements are wrong, that religion is wrong. Okay. Okay. Yeah, just want to, yeah, exactly. It's, it's a debate over which building is Christianity. Um, and okay, cool. So I understand how you get there. You just take the Bible as a, as a whole as given. Um, I'm going to be making a, a similar argument next week. So, um, yes. yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, I just want, I got you on the record. So. <laughs> um, 
Um, but yeah. So uh, before right. before talking about next week's uh, next week's uh, podcast, I want to say a good good discussion, uh, Dale. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I want to. I want to pick up uh, some user feedback, uh, and again, thank you so much for everyone who goes to uh, Word. Uh, I'm sorry, skepticsandseekers.wordpress.com and uh, clicks on the feedback tab and leaves feedback or leaves a comment at the uh, end of the blogs, uh, or it goes to skepticsandseekers at gmail.com. Uh, those are the ways to get in touch. Uh, I want to. Uh, pick up on Mage1999 who gave us a like. We get a lot of likes and follows, and I just thought I'd mention some of those likes and follows. Uh, Mage1999 also has a blog uh, from MageMind uh, is the name of his blog. Hayden Clark uh, gave us a like, and I do not know if he has a blog. So I am clicking on a link to see. Sorry, but so I think he does have a blog. It's called Help Me Believe. Uh, Okay, that's his. Yeah. And so uh, thank you uh, to uh, Hayden. Hayden. uh, Mm -hmm. For for that. Uh, Also, uh, uh, Anazi twenty fifty. Uh, gave us a like and uh, all of these people that I've mentioned have also followed the blog you can click follow on our blog and you will uh, get notifications of every new post that we make so you don't have to go rushing to the blog on Sunday morning to see if something new is there it will uh, show up for you every time you can also subscribe to us in uh, your favorite feed reader of choice Uh, that's that's how I read our blog a second time. It comes in my uh, newsfeed reader. Uh, And with that, I want to read out uh, a couple of uh, comments. Uh, Let's do, um, let's do Brian first. Uh, Okay. In fact, uh, would you, would you like to read that one? Sure. Um, So Brian says, uh, hey guys, loving the podcast and blog. Uh, Having been a long time lurker on the unbelievable message boards, uh, David, your posts are a weekly must-read for me. Uh, thanks for all you do. And Dale, thanks for engaging with David so this great new forum can be made. Uh, my suggestion is have a podcast on planting planting as warrant. Um, Dale seems to use this as a go-to move, but even planting it himself says it's only of use to the individual and his personal belief. It's of no use for convincing others whatsoever. Um so it seems an odd tool to use so frequently in a skeptic versus believer debate context. Uh, keep up the good work. Um, yeah, uh, I, th- I think that's a fair enough point. I, I think that both, in fairness, both David and I ha- did make that distinction. Like when, when I was answering the podcast, what, what I think is the, mo- the best argument or evidence that allows me to know that Christianity is true, yeah, properly basic beliefs work on an individual level. I, there's a difference between knowing and showing. I, I can't show you guys that what I'm saying is is true, that I I have a, this irresistible inclination caused by my set of cognitive or spiritual faculties being activated through the witness of the Holy Spirit. This, this is solely, you know, I, I put it forward to you guys and 
you know, evaluate yourself if you have this or not. I can tell you all day long that, yeah, I'm pretty certain I've got the Holy Spirit. I'm not 100% uh, certain I have knowledge, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty convinced I've got knowledge and it's enough for me to base my faith, at least in part, on this reason. Um, but yeah, it's it's subjective, right? It's not analyzable by by you. I, I have no idea what's what's in your head, if you have any properly basic beliefs. Uh, maybe, I hope that you would believe in the law of non-contradiction, not just as a brute fact, but if you would claim to have any knowledge claims, then yeah, you can't show anyone that. So, Brian, I uh, I agree with Dale here, and I think that we have discussed Plantinga's uh, warrant pretty well in uh, episode three, which is part two of, of that longer discussion. So I don't I don't know what else we could say about it, but I do uh, like your suggestion. It, let me just uh, amend it a little bit. I think that we should have a show on hard evidences though for either either side so uh, rather than uh, talk about philosophical uh, evidences we should talk about hard evidences because Dale is an evidentialist uh, he, he believes that there's hard evidence for, for many of the Christian claims I believe that there is not hard evidence or at least what things are presented as evidence aren't aren't very good. And so I think it is a fair question to say, well, what evidence would you use to convince someone else? Uh, and so I do think that we should focus on that. And if I wanted to take a uh, hardline view that there is no God, uh, not necessarily the view uh, that I take when I'm on the show, that happens to be my personal view, uh, you know, what hard evidences can I, can I show for that that would be convincing to someone else? And so I, I think that's a uh, a show topic worth exploring. So we want to thank you, uh, Brian, for your suggestion. And I want to close with uh, Limey, who uh, has been in spirited debate with Dale on the blogs. You can uh, you can read the blog posts and interact uh, on the blogs in the comment sections there. Uh, Limey uh, has said uh, to to. Dale, on the subject of this fireman analogy, which is still burning, I disagree. God created the people knowing their limits and abilities. He also specified what the crime was, knowing his creation couldn't avoid failing. He then became, uh, he, uh, I'm sorry, he then, because he's such a loving dude, created the worst possible punishment, uh, he could, knowing that he'd be condemned, uh, knowing that he'd be condemning all of his creation to that fate. So, um, yeah, this is uh, this is a comment on uh, the evil god uh, conundrum, and uh, once again, they were they were kind of hashing it out over the the god as a fireman analogy, uh, and uh, that rages on. Dale, did you want to? Did you want to comment to that in print? I mean, in uh, on the podcast as you have in print? Uh, yeah, I'm just scrolling, trying to find it. It's under the evil God dilemma, I think. God is a fire. Um, well, I mean, so I you could just shortcut it God. and just say he's right and you're wrong so, and be done with it. <laughs> so, okay, so I, I think this was my response 
to it. So I was just saying, um, yeah, so God didn't set the fire. Humans did with their free will choice at the fall. Um, so people, people are the ones that put themselves in danger, not God. Um, if you're getting into, uh, if you're getting into the whole, oh, okay. If you're getting into the issue, well, God shouldn't have created people capable of setting the fire in the first place. Um, then you can refer to my Molinistic answer as to this being one of the two best possible worlds. Sure, um, and, and, and then yeah. you can refer to my comments on this show uh, for that. And so if you want to jump into the fireman analogy before the embers burn out, feel free to uh, continue that comment under the evil God, or you can follow it uh, on this show since we brought it up here as well. Uh, next week, we will be... Uh, taking on part two of subsumability. And this is where I think Dale was really uh, angling to go with the first part anyway. So we will be talking about... Dale, tell them what we'll be talking about. Yeah, uh, so basically it's going to be what David wanted to talk about last week uh, when we're discussing subsumability. It's going to be the issue of uh, sufficient attachment. Uh, You know, what is... Uh, Christianity proper, does a miracle like the resurrection attest to the truth of of Christianity? How does the Bible factor in uh, to that? Uh, You know, is the Bible sufficiently attached? As we know, David uh, thinks it is because that's what he was taught. So (laughs) I don't know if he'll be disagreeing with me too much. (laughs) I assure you I'll be disagreeing with him every step of the way because one of the the arguments uh, for sufficient attachment is that we can believe uh, the whole of the story because of certain important parts of the story. So Dale will be making that case. I'll be making the case for why that is absolutely not true. It'll be a very Bible-centric discussion. After that, I want to let you know, I'll give you a glimpse into uh, two weeks ahead. Uh, We will have a very special guest on the show. Randall Rouser uh, will be joining me. Uh, And we will be talking about the subject of, uh, I forgot (laughs) what we're going to be talking about. That's embarrassing. Uh, I get a week off. I like it. Yeah, no, we'll we'll be talking. (laughs) I'll I'll let the, go ahead. You'll be talking about what? I've forgotten. (laughs) I'm an old man. Um, We will be talking about the subject of progressive revelation. Uh, And so that's going to be Mm -hmm. a very lively discussion. We've already written uh, our articles, and so I think that you're going to enjoy that. That's going to come uh, after sufficient attachment. It's also going to come after the week that Randall and I appear on the Unbelievable broadcast. So if you are familiar with Unbelievable, uh, I will be uh, a guest on Unbelievable on the weekend of the 24th, 25th, uh, so whenever that uh, show airs for you. Uh, Randall and I will uh, be on there, as well as uh, Andrew uh, Knight and Justin will be debating our book, uh, Still Unbelievable, which was a response book to his book, Unbelievable. And the week after that, Skeptics and Seekers will have Randall on for what will kind of be a round two, uh, if you will. So stay tuned. A lot of exciting yep. things. And just, just before we go, one last quick uh because I am interested in uh, a point that David made early on in the show about uh, if it's a perfection for God to be morally determined, why why didn't he just create human beings that are morally determined? Um, so 
I don't know if there's any Christians that, that do tune in. Um, I know Joyce uh, got in touch early on, but uh, yeah, if, there, if there's anyone, even if you're skeptical, anyone who has any thoughts on that, I would be interested in, in uh, learning more because I think that's that's a point that's going to have me thinking about it after the show's done. So, and, and believe yeah, it or I not, forward. I actually would love comments on that too, not just to say, yeah, right on, you got him, but uh, I would be curious to what the rebuttals are to that argument too yeah. because this is this is one of those argue, uh, discussions that we had in the moment we didn't really plan for it and so we both will go back and listen to this and probably say huh did i did i say that um yeah so well, I, I would week. be <laughs> so i would i would be interested <laughs> in knowing what the rebuttal to that was because these these are things that we have not talked about in the past so Thanks, everyone, for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next week and the week after that. Randall Rouser, and uh, who knows what happens after that. Thanks. All right. Have a good week. Bye. Bye.